Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we look at the Jewish Feast of Weeks with Larry Stamm, and we get an inside look of how one person escaped the New Age movement through the power of Jesus Christ. We recently shared the good news of Southwest Radio Ministries and Prophecy in the News joining in a special gospel partnership that includes bringing back the Prophecy in the News magazine. The very first issue is going to be in mailboxes in the next few days. Don't be left out. Subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine today. With your subscription, you get a print and digital version and access to our online streaming platform, FaithNet TV. Call today and subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or go to our website, swrc.com. After spending years in the New Age and the occult, Pamela Holliday's unplanned encounter with the power of God altered her course forever, leading her to a miraculous deliverance by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we take an inside look at spiritual power and the deception of the grand delusion. The world today is not a playground, but a battleground. Sad to say, too many Christians have never had a taste of spiritual warfare. Well, that is not true of our guest, Pamela Holliday. She tells her readers about the deep-rooted deception that was in her heart and also what happens when the King of Kings steps into a life. Her book is entitled The Grand Delusion. It is not about occult darkness. Instead, it is a powerful account of victory. Pamela, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity to tell my story. Today we are seeing a literal flood of darkness and deception, so I'm glad we could talk about it. And We do have your book, The Grand Delusion. I've read it from cover to cover, and I think it is very, very helpful. Your book tells how, after 10 years deeply involved in New Age and Occult, you had an unexpected encounter with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that changed the course of your life resulting in a miraculous deliverance. Tell us about that happened. Let me go back a little bit to the beginning so I can uh, explain, first of all, how I got involved in in the deception. Uh, At the time, I was really interested in Buddhism and Eastern religions. I was meditating on a daily basis. And then one day, I became aware of a spiritual presence in the room. It wasn't frightening but seemed very friendly, like it just wanted to spend time with me and become my friend. I didn't realize it then, but one of the goals of Eastern meditation is to connect with a spirit guide, and that's exactly what happened to me. Eastern meditation is not the same as the meditation spoken of in Scripture. God tells us to meditate on His Word, We're to fill our minds with his word. And Eastern meditation is the opposite. We're told to empty our minds. And that's a very dangerous thing to do because an empty mind opens the door to your mind. And that's the same thing as hanging out a sign saying, whoever's out there, come on in. 
Demon spirits are just waiting for an invitation to come in and begin filling our minds with false truth. The mind is our battleground in this spiritual war. And God tells us to guard our minds and not allow any thoughts contrary to his word come in. That's why in 1 John 4, God tells us not to believe every spirit, but to test the spirits. Mm. That if they don't speak of Jesus coming in the flesh and being the Son of God, we know they're not from God. And in that case, run. You said that once you sought to become one with the universe, you began using meditation and yoga techniques to enter a state of altered consciousness, like when you were using LSD. It was through meditation that the door to the spirit world opened to you, and you actually sensed the presence. Things like that happen today? They certainly do. Once I became involved in them, I ended up being involved for about 10 years. But getting back to the spirit that made itself known, I just figured that it had come to lead me into the world of the supernatural when I was right. That's exactly what happened. Mm. I went out and bought a Ouija board so we could communicate with each other. And as soon as I set it up, three spirits introduced themselves as my spirit guides. They said that I was very gifted and they wanted to teach me how to develop my powers. They were the same forces behind the many supernatural experiences I had and behind the push for me to become a psychic. Mm. I thought that since they were in the spirit world, they would know all universal truth, and I was thrilled they were willing to take me on as a student. I never questioned a word they said since all their teachings coincided perfectly with the books I had been reading by channeled spirits and mystics. Later I realized the reason their teachings coincided so well <laughs> with the books I'd been reading was because they came from the same source, the Great Deceiver. I was in communication with them on a daily basis. They became my mentors and constant companions. During this time, I became pregnant. And they told me I was carrying a boy who would grow up to be a powerful psychic. But I didn't deliver a boy. I delivered a baby girl. She had to have heart surgery, and she died at only three and a half months of age. So I realized they were wrong about her being a boy, and they were wrong about him, actually her, becoming a powerful psychic. Then I started to question just who they were. But it wasn't until in the hospital after my baby's surgery when the doctor came out and said that they'd lost her. I just never thought for a moment that there was any possibility that she would die, so the words didn't sink in. I just could not believe they were telling me that my baby was dead because my spirits had told me that he, which turned out to be a she, was going to become a powerful psychic. I was standing there in the hospital after the doctor said that my baby had died. I stood there with my spirit guides, frantically waiting for them to rush in and save her. And then in a second, all of a sudden, everything changed. The power of the Lord filled the hall, and my guides were reduced to just 
frozen statues. They were unable to speak or move. At that point, I saw them for who they really were. I realized they were not who they claimed to be. In that one instant, the power of God stopped them in their tracks and delivered me from their deception. Mm, My guides, who I now realized were actually demons masquerading as angels of light, knew they'd been exposed, and the door to the occult slammed shut behind me. They knew they had lost the fight for my soul. Wow, that's dramatic. Well, God turned your unimaginable tragedy into a miraculous, instantaneous deliverance. He came to bring you to himself, and he did, didn't he? He sure did. I had learned about him in Sunday school as a child, and I had even gotten saved. But I never grew into a relationship with him. I never learned about all of who he was or of what we are in him. I'd heard about Satan, that he comes to tempt us, but I never heard that he's also the great deceiver who can appear as an angel of light, and his agenda is to take as many of us to hell with him as he can. He does this by attacking the truth and substituting his lies, which is the basis for spiritual warfare. Mm. Without a firm foundation of God's truth and understanding of the enemy's agenda, it is so very easy for Satan to entice us into his camp. But even though I was caught up in false belief, I still belonged to Jesus. The Word tells us that no one can snatch us out of his hand, and that as his sheep, we know his voice. I know this to be true because even after all those years on the wrong road, I did know the sound of his voice. Even after walking away from him for all those years, he still came after me, his wayward child, to bring him back to himself. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. I would like to say to anyone who's listening who have loved ones lost in New Age belief, the occult, false belief system, please know that God is in control and he's fully capable to bring them back into his arms. My mother had prayed for me during those years and she must have thought that God was not listening because (laughs) the years just kept going by and I was still lost. But after 10 years, he answered her prayers in his time, in a way that she never could have imagined. Right, wow. Well, you were deeply involved in the wrong things, as you point out, and I I really enjoyed in your book where you said that you and your husband, Steve, wanted to rent an apartment from, I think it was a Mrs. Foster, but she didn't want any pets. Then you talk about closing your eyes, and you were transported into a large kitchen inside an old stone house, and... Actually, Mrs. Foster changed her mind, didn't she? Yeah, that was one of my experiences that my spirit guides bestowed upon me. They took me into, I think, every area of the supernatural that you can imagine. But people call that astral projection, Mm -hmm. where your spirit leaves your body and goes somewhere else, and you can hear people talking and... I didn't hear Mrs. Foster talking, but I was in her kitchen. 
I was looking down into her kitchen. It's like my spirit was up in the corner of the room right under the ceiling. And looking down into the kitchen, I saw this lady who had on brown pants and a sweater. And she looked to be around 60 years of age. And I knew she must be Mrs. Foster. And I telepathically, I sent her the message that, My husband and I have two cats. They've never damaged anything. They will not be a problem in your apartment. And I laid down because I had a headache. And I woke up back on my bed. My headache was gone. And then the phone rang. It was Mrs. Foster calling us to say that she realized the cats would not be a problem. And would I like to come over and see the apartment? Darkness has such power. Even in the Bible, we see that false prophets, magicians, sorcerers, and so on did some really strange things. But one of the things I love about your book is that your book is so much more than a testimony. I think it's actually a warfare preparedness book. I mean, you've been on both sides of the war and have been involved from the inside out. And after spending over 10 years involved in Satan's camp— you know personally how he works. Then, after your deliverance, you spent years studying what God's Word has to say about this entire subject. Your book is so interesting because it combines many of your experiences along with Bible truth in each area. It's really very helpful. The combination of your experiences with Bible teaching puts spiritual warfare into real life. That's one of the reasons I wrote it, because a lot of people in the church aren't being taught that there even is a war. And they're afraid of the supernatural. They just think it's best for them to mind their own business and just ignore stuff that's not scriptural. But that's not what God would have us to do. He expects us to take a stand against evil. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book, to show people what's involved in the spiritual war. This war for men's souls is very real, and I know it very well because, like you said, I've been on both sides, first as a victim, but then as a warrior. Mm. After being delivered, I have become a lawyer. I mean, my whole (laughs) goal is to expose the enemy. Amen. In fact, I think the idea of renouncing evil, and you talk about that, and making a complete break with evil is important. In Matthew 12, 30, Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me. And then Paul made it very clear in 2 Corinthians 4, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. And I know you and I spoke the other day about renouncing. I think it's very important. After I, after Jesus came and got me, and I was, you know, back on the path of studying about him and his word, it was a couple years later that I met a man in church, and we got to talking, and he asked me if I'd ever renounced my involvement, and I hadn't. I'd never heard of renouncing before. He came over to my house, and he walked me through renouncing every area of the occult that I had been involved in, and it was later that evening. I know this is going to sound really strange, but... When I went to bed that evening, I laid down, lights are turned out, I'm laying on my back, looking up at the ceiling, 
and I actually saw a demonic face coming out from my face that was looking down at me, and it slowly floated up to the ceiling and went out. And this happened four times. But the thing is, it sounds like it would be really eerie, but I was not scared. I was delivered. I knew that those were the demons that had been in me. They hadn't been dealt with, and they needed to be renounced. Renouncing is important. We can be saved, and, you know, God is more powerful than all the demon spirits. But still, we have to take a stand against them. And even though I was studying my Bible and I was able to stand against them when the presence of evil would show up in my house, I never actually dealt with the spirits that had been guiding me. Right, and now you dealt with them and you renounced them once and for all. Now, how long ago was that and how's it been going the last several months? Have you been bothered? Have you seen anything, heard anything, felt any presence other than the presence of the Lord? They come around from time to time, but not as often as they did when I was involved. When I was involved, I thought that I was involved with spirit guides that were good spirits, and during the time I was involved with them, there were a few instances of the presence of evil showing up Mm. in my house. The first time it happened, it felt like someone or something had their hand around my throat, like they were strangling me, Mm. and this was very physical. I could feel the pressure against my throat, just as if I was being strangled. It just so happened that I was standing by a table that had my Bible on it. And although it hadn't been open for years, I just grabbed it instinctively, and by no mistake, it opened to Psalm 91, which talks Mm. about being safe under God's wings of protection. And as soon as I began to read, the presence was gone. I didn't understand what happened. I thought that since my guides were good, that this evil force must have come in in opposition to them. And my spirits even told me that I shouldn't be afraid of any evil spirit because they were there to protect me. Talk about the <laughs> the fox guarding the hen house. It wasn't until later, after I went back into my Bible and studied about the supernatural and how these forces work, that it became so clear that they were all the same. My spirits were evil. They were actually demons, you know, masquerading as good spirits. And so when I felt like I was being strangled, it was from the same force that my, you know, (laughs) spirits were coming from. Right. Well, Pamela, thank you so much for putting this down in a book. I really think that there are many, many people probably in our listening audience, who have had similar experiences. And a lot of people that want to talk about them, maybe ashamed of them. They're maybe afraid that they would aggravate the spirits and that they would be under greater attack and so forth. But I think from what you've said in this interview, you give those people and you give all people the motive to take charge through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because he is God 
Blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's far greater than any spirit. He's far greater than the devil himself. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, and I know that to be true. Well, friends, we've been speaking to Pamela Holliday. She's the author of The Grand Delusion. It's an inside look at spiritual power and deception. You will certainly want a copy for yourself and one to pass around. Today we are featuring Pamela Holliday's brand new book entitled The Grand Delusion. After spending years in the New Age and the occult, Pamela Holliday's unplanned encounter with the power of God altered her course forever. Now Pamela takes us inside her journey from deep-rooted deception and shows what happens when the King of Kings steps onto the scene. Order The Grand Delusion today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Tomorrow begins the Jewish holiday, the Feast of Weeks. To give us insight into the meaning of this feast, here's James Collins and Larry Stamm. More and more Christians are taking an interest in the Jewish roots of Christianity. With Pentecost beginning this weekend, we here at the Watchman on the Wall thought it would be timely and very appropriate to visit with our friend Larry Stamm. Larry is a Jew for Jesus. He has a passion to share Christ and tell the world that Christianity is Jewish. Larry's book, Jewish Roots of Christianity, has been a bestseller here at our ministry, and he is here with me in the studio today to teach us about Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks. Larry, welcome back to the Watchman on the Wall. It's a blessing to be with you, James. Shavuot begins at sunset on Saturday, June the 4th, 2022, and it ends at nightfall on Monday, June the 6th, 2022. This holiday, also known as Pentecost, falls on the Jewish calendar 50 days after the Passover Sabbath. It is the second of three major feasts unto the Lord, and it holds both great agricultural and historical significance. Would you take a moment and give us the biblical background for Pentecost? James, in Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, the Word of God says, Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's Passover. At the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost, which we're talking about in this segment. And at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Also, in Exodus 34, 23, the Word of God says, Three times each year all your males shall present themselves before God, the Master and Lord of Israel. So, Pentecost, or Shavuot, was one of three feasts where God commanded the men to come to the city of Jerusalem to worship. Actually, in Hebrew, it is Hag Ha Shavuot, which literally means festival of weeks. And the Hebrew word Shavuot literally means period of sevens or weeks. Seven Sabbaths and a day after Passover, we celebrate Shavuot. And by the way, James, in Acts chapter 2, Shavuot, Pentecost, the birthday of the church, are all about the harvest. And that's the common theme running throughout both Shavuot in the Old Testament and Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Remember, 
There was a harvest of souls. 3,000 people were saved in Acts chapter 2. And the beautiful thing about the harvest is that we see the harvest manifested by God's blessing, by God's power, and by God's provision. There is a physical harvest, yes, but praise God, there's also a spiritual harvest. Amen. Well, that was my next question. I was going to ask you, what does the story of Ruth and Boaz in the Old Testament have to do with Pentecost? And that book, of course, revolves around a harvest. It does. And Ruth is traditionally read by religious Jewish people on Shavuot or Pentecost. And by the way, for your listeners, Pentecost, 50th in the Greek And that word Pentecost is used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. And so it's become a common reference to both the Jewish and early Christian communities in reference to Shavuot. That's where we get the name Pentecost. Regarding the book of Ruth, Ruth is read, as I mentioned, on Pentecost or Shavuot, primarily due to its harvest setting. In addition, Ruth's commitment to leave her old life to follow the God of Israel is seen as a parallel to Israel's commitment to follow God at Mount Sinai. And finally, James, Ruth contains the ancestry of King David, who according to tradition was born and died on, you guessed it, Pentecost. And by the way, we know that Ruth is in the line of Jesus, our Messiah and Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Well, you mentioned Acts chapter 2. What again happened then and why is that so significant? The church was born on Pentecost. If you remember, Jesus commanded the disciples to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit fell. They happened to be in Jerusalem on Shavuot. Why? Because as religious Jewish people, the scriptures commanded them to be in Jerusalem during Shavuot. And so this Shavuot would be unlike any other before, and it would be unlike any other after. You can imagine years after the Spirit falls on Pentecost and the church is born, and the church then expands and goes out to the utter ends of the earth— Those disciples who were there initially at that first Pentecost, when the church was born, when the Spirit fell, when Peter preached, when 3,000 were saved, they would have remembered that Shavuot for the remainder of their days. So that's the connection. And again, there is a harvest. Shavuot was a harvest festival physically for the Jewish people. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, a harvest of souls, a spiritual harvest. And again, harvest is the main theme of Pentecost, Shavuot. Well, how is Pentecost traditionally celebrated? Sweet foods are consumed since God's word is sweet. Psalm 119, 103, the word of God says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Specifically, James, you have foods like strudel and cheesecake or regala, which is a rolled Jewish pastry. In addition, milk and honey are eaten, and owed to the land filled with milk and honey from which God provides. Well, praise God, Larry. Let's go have some donuts. That sounds phenomenal. Absolutely. I'm in. Well, Larry, thanks for taking the time today to share with us about Pentecost. We appreciate your ministry, and we thank you for being on the program today. Thank you, James. God bless you and your audience. Today, we're featuring Pamela Holiday's brand new book, The Grand Delusion. After spending years in the New Age and the occult, Pamela Holliday's unplanned encounter with the power of God altered her course forever. 
Order the Grand Delusion today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Lord willing, we'll return Monday with more Christ-centered clarity for all of the chaos. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.